Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Welcome to church. Come on, can we put our hands together? Come on. I'm glad that you're joining us for church today. Wherever you are, we're glad that you're joining us for church online. We're excited about today. Come on, we're live here from our broadcast location, from our Kendall campus. Can we make some noise? Oh, come on, let's get excited for church. Let us know in the chats where you're watching from. Maybe you're at home today. Maybe you're in your kitchen. You're cooking up some breakfast in your backyard. Or maybe you're in the office still. Or maybe you're out on vacation somewhere, but you're tuning in for church. Let us know where you're watching from. I want to welcome all of our friends on YouTube and Facebook Live. Everybody that's been joining Calvary Church all over the world. Welcome to Calvary Online. We're glad that you're joining us today. We're really excited because uh, how many know the church hasn't been closed for six months? Come on, the church has been open, the church has been alive, and we're really excited because November 8th, somebody say November 8th. November 8th, 8th, we're coming back into the building. Come on. Uh, We're calling it the comeback. Somebody say the comeback. Come on, put that on the chat. The comeback, we're coming back into the building and we're starting a brand new series that Sunday. Uh, We're really, really excited about that. Make sure you're here November 8th. It's going to be a phenomenal Sunday and we're going to have to make sure everything is uh, perfect for you and safe. And we're really, really pumped about that. Today, uh, I'm going to get into it because uh, today we got a lot of ground to cover. I'm really excited. Today, we're starting a brand new series on the book of Romans. Come on, somebody. Uh, You can already start going to the book of Romans right there, wherever you're at. We're starting a five-week journey on the book of Romans. This has been a book I've been wanting to share on for a long, long time. It's a challenging book. It's a confronting book, but it's also a comforting book. And I think it's going to help a lot of us in our relationship with God, how we see God, how we view God. And I think it's going to help you. And so I want you to get your notebooks out. I want you to open up your Bibles, get a highlighter, get a pen. We're going to study God's word. Earlier this year, uh, we went through the book of Daniel. Come on, anybody love Daniel? Daniel was amazing. Um, Now we're going to start Romans. Uh, At Calvary, twice a year, we like to go to a book of the Bible, maybe even three times, uh, to a book in the Bible and study a book. Obviously, we always preach from the Bible. Uh, But we like to cover two books throughout the year. So we did Daniel earlier this year. We're going to start Romans today. And I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready? Come on. I'm really ready. I'm really, really pumped. The book of Romans is is a powerful book. It's a life-changing book. Um, I want you to pray before you get into this book. I want you to prepare your heart before you get into this book. Because it is one of the most important books in the New Testament. It is profound. It is rich in theology and doctrine. I really also believe the Holy Spirit uses it to open up our eyes and hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, we, we put a tagline to this series. The good news is here. Come on. Anybody glad that we got good news? Oh, come on. Anybody glad we got some good news? Come on. Put some fire emojis in the chat and all that. And I'm really, really pumped about this. Look what the book of Romans has done throughout history. It says uh, the book of Romans transformed the life of Augustine, of Martin Luther. It actually sparked the great Protestant Reformation. It transformed the life of John Wesley. And it started the whole Methodist revival where thousands and thousands and thousands of people came to know Jesus because of John Wesley and his reformation. 
Absolutely astounding. It transformed the life of William Tyndale and it transformed the life of John Bunyan and so many more. The book of Romans is a powerful book. And that's the book we're going to study for the next five weeks. In fact, Martin Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation, he said this about the book of Romans. He said, it is well worth a Christian's while not only to memorize it word for word, but also to occupy himself with it daily as though it were the daily bread of the soul. He said, you got to occupy yourself with the book of Romans every single day. Try to memorize it word for word if you can. We're really excited, in fact, because we believe it's such a powerful book. We've done a journal for each and every single person, a journal where you can uh, go through the book of Romans with us. I'm going to break apart Romans in five sections for these five different Sundays. But every single day, we want to cover every single verse. If we were to do a verse-by-verse study, it would probably take us a year. I know a pastor who did a 10-year study on the book of Romans every Sunday. Uh, I've decided just to break it up by sections, but we are going to go verse-by-verse in our daily reading. I want you to go to calvaryconnect.shop. And uh, come on, how, how nice is this journal we provided for everybody? Go to calvaryconnect.shop. We're going to put the link up so you can see it. And you can download this PDF. Uh, Yoli already printed it and she she gave it to me so I can show you guys. But um, we're going to do some soap reading for the next 30 days. Now, you're probably like, what's soap? I don't know. The only soap I know is Dove. I know. I get it. Soap. Soap is an acronym and it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Every day, we're going to have a couple of verses in Rome and we're going to observe it. We're going to see how it applies to our life, and then we're going to pray on it. And so I want you to download this. We're all going to be on a 30-day reading journey together through the book of Romans. Come on. Are you excited about that? Come on. Already people have downloaded it, and uh, come on, tag us on Instagram. Take a story of you uh, having your journal. Maybe you have it on your iPad or you printed it. Uh, We're going to go through this together. We're starting the journey today. Today begins our 30-day journey through Romans, uh, where we're going to read through it together. Uh, As you open up the journal, you're going to find the 30-day reading plan, the outline for the series. You're going to find all the information on the book of Romans, and so we're really pumped about that. Can you see that at home? We're really, really pumped about that. Make sure you download it. We're starting that today. Okay, I'm going to give you some background information on Rome. Everybody ready? All right, I'm going to give you some background information on the book of Romans. The book of Romans, uh, the author of it is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Now, all of us know the Apostle Paul Paul to be an incredible church planter, but he was also a phenomenal writer, and he gave us a lot of rich theology in writing. And so this is one of the 13 letters that he wrote in the New Testament. Many believe this is his most important letter because it's the one where we get the clearest, richest, most systematic way of understanding the gospel. And so Paul is the author. Now, he wrote this in about A.D. 57, 57 A.D., Um, This is about 20-something years after Jesus was crucified. Uh, The church is alive. The church is spreading all over the known world. And there's a church in Rome that Paul is writing to. So 57 AD. Now, the composer of it, uh, what that means is that Paul would speak it out and he would write it down. The composer is Tertius. Tertius is a servant of God, and he's there helping out Paul. He's the one who actually put pen to paper, and he wrote down what Paul was telling him. Um, the messenger, this is really cool. Um, actually, the, let's go with location first. The location is Corinth. Many believe Paul wrote this in Corinth on his third missionary journey. As you know, Paul went on three big missionary journeys. This is his third missionary journey. While he's in Corinth, he writes this letter to the church in Rome. The messenger is Phoebe the deacon. That's really cool because that shows us that God uses women in ministry. Hello. 
Come on, he uses Phoebe the deacon to go deliver this letter to the church in Rome. Many are saying, can God use women? Can we be in leadership? I want to tell you, yes, you can. At Calvary, we believe that. In fact, we had Flourish this past week, which was amazing. Hundreds of women saw Flourish online. We believe that God uses men and women to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, can you give God some praise? Come on. Phoebe, she's a deacon in the church, and she goes to deliver this letter once it's done to the church in Rome. The audience is believers in Rome and ultimately believers everywhere around the world. Now, I want to break down some of the purposes of the book of Rome, uh, of Romans. Why did Paul write this letter? Why did Paul write this letter? Well, one of the reasons is Paul wants to introduce himself to the church in Rome. Paul wants to, he hasn't been to Rome yet, so he wants to introduce himself. I'm sure they've heard of him. He's planted churches all over the known world. Who is this Paul? We, we used to know him as Saul, remember, who used to persecute Christians. Now, who is this Paul? So he's introducing him. One of, the, one of the reasons is he's writing to introduce himself. Number two, Paul is planning a future visit. We're going to see that as you're reading that verse by verse throughout the week. Paul is planning a future visit. He desires to go to Rome, and many believe it's because he wants Rome to be his home base because he's getting ready to go on a fourth missionary journey to Spain. He now wants to continue taking the gospel further. Come on, anybody want to live like Paul? Come on, I want to take the gospel all over the world. Number three, Paul also wants to give an an apostolic presentation of the gospel. In other words, you've heard the gospel in Rome, but but I don't know if you have it all correctly. I'm going to give you an apostolic presentation of the gospel, an entire um, presentation of what the gospel is and what it means. It's awesome. And then number four, Paul wants to encourage harmony between Gentiles and Jews. Gentiles had been getting saved and following Jesus. So there was Gentile believers in Rome. There was also Jewish believers in Rome. And they had some disagreements sometimes. Um, glad that doesn't happen in, in church today. Uh, but there's disagreements. And so Paul wants them to live in harmony. Come on, look at the person next to you and tell them, I'm glad I'm with you today. Key themes we're going to see in the book of Romans, uh, the major one, the major theme of the book of Romans is the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody say the righteousness of God. I want you to write that down. I want you to get that because that's good news right there. The righteousness of God. That's the major theme. But then we're also going to see the sin of humanity, justification in Jesus, sanctification in new life. And we're also going to see a new kingdom people and what that means in the book of Romans. So I gave you a little bit of background information. Does that help a little bit? Uh, so we understand the letter that we're about to read. Now go to, go to the book of Romans. Go to chapter 1. We're going to read the first seven verses, with, uh, which are um, a kind of an introduction that Paul is doing to the church in Rome. Come on, we're going to go into the book of Romans. And uh, this is an important letter. Open up your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. And I'm really excited about that today. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know if you're excited about November 8th. We love that you're with us. We love that you are gathered wherever you're at and that you're joining us on this Sunday. We love you. We've been praying for you. We've been praying for our dream team. We love our church so much. And we're believing God's best for your life. He's with you. He's for you. He's on your side. Come on. I'm really pumped about today. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Okay, Paul says this. If you're there, can you shout or type amen? Amen. All right, Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I don't know if you're ready. Are we ready? Yes. Yes. Ah, come on. You guys online got to help me. In the audience in here, I don't know if they're ready. Come on, are you guys ready? Yes. (laughs) All right, Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. 
The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was the descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the first seven verses. And out of those seven verses, today I want to share week one, part one of our five-week series in the book of Romans. Today I want to share a message with you that's on my heart. Um, today I've titled this message, The Problem is Solved. Come on, tell somebody, the problem is solved. Look at two people around you. Come on, look at the, I don't know if you're with your spouse, with your kids, with a family member. Tell them the problem is solved. Maybe you just got a cat or a dog. Tell them the problem is solved. Let's pray and then we'll begin and get into this book. Father, we thank you so much. We love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to uh, be live from our broadcast location across hundreds of homes in the city of Miami, our country, and around the world. Thank you, God, for this five-week journey on the book of Romans as we go through this book every day, reading a few verses that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, open up our eyes. Thank you for loving people like us. We don't deserve it, and we know we can't earn it, but you love us. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. All of God's people say, Amen. Oh, come on. All of God's people say, Amen. Can you give God a big praise? Come on. Give God a big, big praise. Paul uh, begins this letter by introducing himself. Remember, he wants to introduce himself to the church in Rome, and so he starts by introducing himself. He says, Paul I'm a servant. He uses this word servant. Another translation says a bond slave. Servant is the same word as slave as Paul is using it here. In fact, Paul, right when he begins the letter, he's saying, hey, I want you to know I'm a servant of God. Which today brings the question, who do you serve? Who do you serve? Do people know who you serve? Paul, if he's going to introduce himself to somebody, he doesn't come by saying, I'm so-and-so. I hope you know this is my career. This is all my diplomas. This is who I am. He starts off by saying, hey, I'm a servant. I'm a slave to God. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you something today. All of us are a slave to something. You're either a slave to Jesus or you're a slave to other people, to other people's opinions. You're a slave to money. You're a slave to your career. What are you a slave to? Look at somebody and tell them, what are you a slave to? Somebody started singing, I'm a slave by Britney Spears. That just got weird, but what are you a slave to? All of us. And he starts by saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a servant. That's what I am. I know he called me. I know I planted churches. I know I've written letters, but I want you to know I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. And he says of his, of his gospel, the gospel of God. This is awesome. He starts by using this word called gospel. Now, gospel is an important word. I want you to write that down. Gospel. Gospel. It comes from this Greek word, eongelion. Eongelion. Now, it's where we get our English word evangelism or evangelical. The word gospel literally means good news. Come on, somebody. It literally means good news. Paul is saying, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus and the gospel, the good news of God. 
He starts off this letter talking about we have some good, good news. Now, this word gospel, it's important. It actually comes, they used to use it a lot in military terms because when they went out to battle, when they overcame the enemy, they came running back saying we have a gospel. We have good news. We've defeated the enemy. Come on. That's some good news. Uh, Emperors back in ancient times, they had a gospel that would go out. And maybe once a week, once a month, once a quarter, they would bring out this gospel, this herald. And they used to go around town saying, hey, the king and the queen have had a baby. Good news. Healthy baby boy. He looks like Alex the guy. Amazing. Good news, right? That was the gospel around the town. It meant good news from the king and the queen. Paul says, we have a gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, this is good news, that the enemy has been defeated and that Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Anybody glad we have good news today? Come on, we have good news. Now, now Paul begins by saying he's a slave, a servant of this good news of Jesus because he's going to talk about some bad news. I want to tell you today, how many know the world is full of bad news? All all you got to do is turn on the TV for five minutes and we know... All you got to do is get on Facebook for five minutes and the world is full of bad news. We're surrounded by bad news. 2020 has been nothing but bad news. It's full of bad news. And for some reason, we like bad news. You ever notice bad news travels faster than good news. We love bad news. That's why you go to the grocery store line and as you're getting ready to check out, you see all these magazines. So-and-so is pregnant. This couple's getting a divorce. Can you believe he cheated on her? Oh my God, all bad news. How are those magazines still in publication? Because people buy them. We love gossip. We love bad news. In fact, one study said this, uh, 90% of the news that comes from media is negative. 90% is negative because we love bad news. In fact, they said this, it's a secret that journalists have known for years, that bad news is more likely to attract casual readers' eyes than good news. In fact, they, they say this, bad news sells. It sells. We're attracted to bad news. 90% of breaking news, headline news, it's negative. It's bad news. Our world is full of bad news. And so Paul, he's going to begin to talk about some bad news. We love bad news. We're attracted to it. In fact, I think the big problem, the big dilemma is that we embrace bad and we ignore good. We embrace bad and we ignore good. And Paul is going to address this. Paul's going to say, hey, it's in our veins. It's in us. There's bad news. We love darkness. We run toward it. We love bad news. It sells. It spreads faster than good news. That's a problem. But Paul is like, first, in the first few verses, I'm coming to tell you, I'm a deliverer, I'm a carrier of good news. Come on, somebody. That's why we titled this series, The Good News Is Here. Come on, anybody excited? I know 2020 has been rough. I know coronavirus has been everywhere. I know there's been unlikely stuff to happen, but I want to tell you there's still good news. Come on, we still have the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is here. Here, you might be walking through a tough situation. You might be walking through a dark moment. But I want to tell you something today. If you listen to anything today, listen to this. The darker the night, the brighter the light. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Oh, I know we're living in a dark world, but that just means the gospel is going to shine even brighter. Oh, I know 2020 has been hard. That just means the gospel is going to look even more incredible. We have some good news. Tell somebody, we got some good news. 
Come on, we got good news. And so Paul, he starts off by saying, I'm a carrier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got some good, good news. Paul is saying, I'm I'm excited about sharing this. This is good news. Go with me to Romans chapter 1. Go down to verse 16 now. Look what he says. He says, for I, after his introduction, after he introduces himself to the church in Rome, he gets to verse 16 and he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the, to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He says, for I am not ashamed. Somebody say, I'm unashamed. I'm unashamed of the gospel. He says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Understand, Paul has been beaten by rocks, almost stoned to death, thrown out of cities, almost killed, thrown in prison. He's been shipwrecked, and yet he gets up and he says, I can't wait to go to Rome. I'm unashamed of this gospel. Oh, you may not like me for what I'm going to say, but I'm unashamed of this gospel. Oh, it, it may challenge you, and it may be a little bit confronting, but, but I love this gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. Now, now he uses his word power. The word power there in the Greek is the word dunamis is where we get our English word dynamite or dynamo. Now, he says the gospel is full of power. Now, now understand, his crowd, his crowd, right? We got to do a little bit of, 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 of uh, hermeneutics here. We got to go into scripture. We got to understand who he's writing to. Got to understand the context. He's writing to a church in Rome. Rome was known as the capital of the world back then. You go to Rome and you would see the Colosseum. You go to Rome and you would see the palace of the emperor. Right? That's why they said all roads lead to Rome. Rome was the capital of the world. Everybody wanted to be in Rome. Oh, they had the best architecture in Rome. They had gold in Rome. They had power in Rome. And so Rome represented power. And so if you were part of the church in Rome, you're like, ah, we're doing church in the best city in the world. We're in the best city of the world. And Paul's like, you think you know power? You think the emperor has power? You think Rome has power? I'm here to tell you, you haven't seen the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, it is life transforming. It is life changing. Come on, it'll take a drug addict and turn him into Billy Graham. Come on, it'll change you. It'll rearrange you. It'll cleanse you. It'll deliver you. It'll save you. It'll open up blind eyes. It'll make a dead man get up. Come on, anybody glad? We got the power of the gospel. Oh, it's changed millions and billions of lives all throughout the years. This is the gospel. He says, this is power. And he, has the gospel changed your life? Come on. If you're a witness, can you witness to that right now? Say, it's changed my life. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. The power of the gospel is real. It's more powerful than a product. It's more powerful than a program. It's more powerful than a politician. Some of us are waiting to see who's going to end up in the White House. Can I tell you, we need the gospel. We don't need another politician. We don't need another policy. We don't need another program. All that is great. But what we need is the power of the gospel. It's the only one that changes lives. And Paul says, this is the power of the gospel. It's the greatest news of all time. He says, this is good news. And he talks about the righteousness of God. Another way to say it is how to get right with God. He says, this gospel is awesome because it teaches us how to get right with God. And it has nothing to do with me and you. 
We get right with God because God has already done everything for us. This is why this is good news. Today, if you're at home and you're watching this and you're saying, I'm so far from God, I don't even know how, how to get to God. I got good news. He came to you. That's why this good news is powerful. That's why this is amazing news. This is why the righteous is not, how do I get right with God? He already came and he already did it. Paul says, in order for us to understand the good news, we have to understand the bad news. So he starts off with good news because now he's going to give us a little bit of bad news. In order for us to understand the goodness of the gospel, you got to understand the badness of sin in our lives and in the world. It's like it's been said, a diamond's beauty is best seen against a black cloth. I remember when I went shopping for Diana's uh, engagement ring. I was young. I was 24 years old. She got me young. <laughs> and uh, I went shopping for a diamond ring. And, and they would bring out these rings, but they were laid on a black cloth. And they're like, do you see how beautiful this one? I'm like, that one looks nice against a black cloth. That one's shiny. And then they told me the price. And I'm like, hmm, give me a darker one. <laughs> Right, but they put diamonds against a black cloth so that it can shine brighter. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Paul says, I, I'm giving you good news, but now i got to lay it on some bad news. Now i got to show you what it is. Because I want to tell you this, we can only understand the beauty and power of the gospel when we understand the evilness of our world and our sin. That's the only way we'll understand the beauty of the gospel. You can't know that good news is really good until you know how bad the bad news is. And so he starts talking about mankind. And I'm going to start giving you three handles that I think we can learn from this first section of the book of Romans. Romans 1, 2, and 3. Three sections that I think we can learn from the book of Romans. He, he starts talking about the righteousness of God. And then we need to understand about the unrighteousness of man. So we, we learn about the righteousness of God. But then he compares it to the unrighteousness of of man. And he starts saying, you Gentiles, Gentiles were all people who weren't Jews, most of us. You ignore God. You run from God. You want nothing to do with God. I think the first thing we can learn from the book of Romans, number one, is to stop ignoring and start searching. Stop ignoring and start searching. He talks about the righteousness of God, but then we need to understand the unrighteousness of man. For example, we got a dog. Many of you guys know we got two dogs, but one of them is Zion, and Zion's now, he's about to be a year old next month, right? This month, actually, the 16th, he turns a year old. Zion's awesome. He's incredible. I love him. The other day, he knows not to jump on this one couch that we have because it's a white couch. But the other day, every, we had some family over the house. Everybody was over the house, and, and, and he got excited. He had just came in from the outside, and he jumped on our white couch. Yeah, it was one of those. And he jumped on our white couch, and he left uh, his footprint everywhere. I mean, he just dirtied this couch. He left it a mess. Now, thank God we have this product to take out the stain, but you can't know the power of this product until you have the messiness of the stain, right? And so what Paul is trying to say is you don't understand the power of the gospel until you understand the ugliness of our sin, right? And so he says, uh, mankind, we got this ugliness on the inside. Men and women are wicked, is what Paul begins to say. Whoa, Paul, this is harsh. Don't turn this off right now. Hold on. He said, this is harsh. He says, we're wicked on the inside. He starts talking to the majority of humanity that wants nothing to do with God. And he says, because we're evil and wicked on the inside, look at verse 18 and 19 with me. Are you following along? Yes. 
He says, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, seen being understood from what is being made, so that people are without excuse. He says the wrath of God is being revealed. Now we have this thing called the wrath of God. Notice how Paul parallels two things. He talks about the righteousness of God, and now he talks about the wrath of God. A lot of us just want the righteousness of God while ignoring the wrath of God. But the wrath of God is real. The wrath of God is very, just give me the righteousness. Don't, don't talk to me about the wrath of God. Talk to me about the righteousness of God. But Paul here presents both. He says you have the righteousness of God, but you also have the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is re- very real and it's being revealed. Slowly, but sure. Now, that word wrath there, it's not this guy who's losing his mind, has high blood pressure, gets mad, and throws a fit. Actually, the word wrath there in the, in the Greek, it's the same word that's used when a, when a fruit is getting ripe. In other words, it's slowly being revealed, and one day it's going to get to its tipping point and boiling point. God's wrath one day will pour out over earth because of the wickedness in earth. All you got to do is turn on the TV and you see evil. It's evil. And you may say, how come God's not doing nothing for the suffering and the evilness that's in the world? One day he will. Right now it's slowly building up. And we have some form of wrath today, but one day it's going to pour out all over the earth. This is the wrath of God. And so Paul says there's a wrath of God that's going to be revealed. He's waiting for the right time, which, by the way, shows us his patience, shows us his love, and shows us his grace on humanity. Right? So he's talking about the wrath of God. Paul says the good news is so good because the bad news is so bad. Men and women are evil. We're wicked. We suppress the truth. In other words, God has shown us who he is. Whether you have the Bible or not, you got no excuse. All you got to do is look around you and you know God is real. Me and Diana, we went to Italy and we went to uh, one of our favorite cities in the world. I I love it, Florence. And in Florence, we went to this museum, the Uffizi Gallery. It's beautiful, right? And you go and you see all these paintings and they're beautiful. I love Florence because it was the home base of Michelangelo, my favorite painter, right? But we never went up to this one painting and said, there's no artist's name. What happened here? Well, what happened is over thousands of years, all these particles just started coming together and they started forming shapes and shadows. And all of a sudden, a thousand more years passed by. And all of a sudden, this face started uh, being created on this canvas. It was amazing by random chance. Like it just started forming. Uh, finally, 6,000 years passed and we have this beautiful painting. I wouldn't believe that. No, this, is, this, this thing is too beautiful. There has to be an artist behind that. Paul is saying, do you step outside? Do you see that sunrise? Do you see that sunset? Do you see those clouds? Do you see yourself in a mirror and say, my God, there must be an artist behind this. Come on, somebody. He said it's plain to them. He says, you see that there's a designer, creator, an architect behind everything. Then there must be a creator, artist, and architect behind this world. But we suppress the truth of God. God has put his stamp in us and around us. God has shown who he is if we look inward or outward. We can see it in our conscience and we can see it in the cosmos. Paul says, and you suppress the truth. The problem is not that God hides. The problem is that man ignores C.S. Lewis said this, when the author walks on the stage, the play is over. God one day is going to invade, all right, but what good is it saying you are on his side then when you see the whole natural universe being melted away like a dream? 
He said, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. Oh, you see God everywhere. The psalmist, Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. You see God everywhere. Mankind, we suppress it. He says, you, you don't want to say there's a God. You don't want to accept the fact that there's a God because you want to do whatever you want. This is, this is humanity. This is all of us. Because once there's a God, we know that there's a judge. And that he's good. And we know that some of the stuff that we have on the inside, it's not good. Can I get an amen? amen. Grew a little silent here. I don't know about home, but pet. <laughs> we're evil. We're wicked on the inside. And so Paul begins to describe the typical people of his day. And he says, oh, then what you do is that you suppress the truth and you turn to worship each other. Wow. Right? Because you turn now to vanity. Then he says you begin to worship animals and statues and you turn to idolatry. Then he says you turn to each other and you go crazy with sex and it turns to sexuality because a bad theology will always lead to vanity. A bad theology will always lead to idolatry and a bad theology will always confuse sexuality. Then you'll say I can sleep with whoever whenever I can sleep with whatever I can sleep with as many people as I want. I can do whatever I want and that's why our world today is confused when it comes to sexuality because we don't understand who God is. And he says, you become lovers of self and you sleep with each other and you sleep with people of your own sex. You don't understand it. It's crazy because we've suppressed the truth and we do whatever we want. And he says, humanity, what you do is that you follow feelings, emotions, and urges instead of listening to the God who created you. Happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. We are all guilty of this. We are all guilty. All of us. We follow feelings, emotions, and urges instead of listening to the God who created us. And then he says, oh, you guys are full of weakness, evil, greed, depravity, full of envy, strife, deceit, and malice, gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful, vanity, idolatry, and more. Paul is saying, stop ignoring and start searching. Can I tell you today, God wants you to search after him. God wants you to run after him with all you got. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He wants to be found. He's saying, I'm here. I've let you clues. Come on, come after me. I love you. I'm for you. There's the gospel. There's good news that you probably got feelings, emotions, and urges, but I can help you. I'm here to love you, and I'm here to get you through. Number one, stop ignoring and start searching. Number two, drop the pride and examine inside. Oh, because all of us will listen to part one. It'll be like, "Mm mm-hmm, I know people like that. I know people who are all messed up. Vanity, idolatry, and sexuality. And Paul says, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't judge other people. You too. Paul Paul now in chapter two switches it to you and me. And he says, those of you who know God, but you are religious hypocrites. Paul came out swinging in Romans. Right? Paul says, oh, you point the finger at people who are sinning or in sin, but you're a sinner too. Hypocrite. The word hypocrite comes from the Greek word, the same word that that is used for an actor. Somebody that comes out on a stage with a mask. And basically he says, all of us wear masks. And he goes, you hide behind your religious activity. You go to church, you go to synagogue, you praise God, you say amen, you know all the songs, Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible tells me so. You look good on the outside, but it's just a mask. 
Paul says, behind that mask, behind your religious activity, you're far from God. That's why Jesus says, many will say on that day, oh, but I knew you. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You gave me lip service, but I didn't want lip service. I wanted your heart. And so Paul says, whoa, whoa, you're here judging other people. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 1. You, therefore, you have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. You're saying, do you know what happened? So-and-so slept with this person, and, and what have you done? You got sitting in your closet. What are you watching late at night? Who are you texting? Paul says, you pass judgment, but you do the same thing. In other words, what Paul is doing is that in chapter one, he's going for those that are ashamed, far from God. In number two, he's going for those that are arrogant and they think they're near to God. In chapter one, he's going after the pagans. In number two, he's going after the pious. In chapter one, what he's doing, he's going after the Gentiles. In number two, in chapter two, he's going after the religious Jews. In other words, what he's saying is compared to a perfectly righteous God, I like the way this commentator put it, the moral religious person is no better off than the immoral criminal. He's going after the religious ones, but he's also going after the self-righteous ones. You can't escape judgment, you think, because you're good. But I want to tell you that Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. Jesus came to make dead men alive. None of us are good. All of us are in need of the gospel. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter how many verses you memorize. I don't care how many coffee mugs you have with a Bible verse until we have a true relationship with God. Oh, he didn't come to make bad men good. doesn't matter if we're good. He came to make us alive in Christ. Come on, are you glad that the gospel is here? It's good news for everybody. Jesus gave us an example. He says, remember the Pharisee and the tax collector? They went to the temple to pray. And what, what did the Pharisee pray in Luke chapter 18? Luke chapter 18, verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And Paul says, who do you think went home right that day? Don't be like the Pharisee. So many of us come to church and what we do is that we have our nose high in the sky saying, oh, thank God I'm not like them. And we pass the person on the street that has a drug addiction. And we ignore the person that we think has a different lifestyle that God is mad at. Well, God is mad at you too. And he's mad at me when we play religious hypocrites. Now, we're all going to fail. doesn't give us an excuse not to pursue Jesus. This is the righteousness of God that we can try on our own, but we're going to fail. We're righteous because of what he did, not because of what we can do. Because we're going to fail every day. That's why when you invite people to church and they say, I don't want to go. It's full of hypocrites. Say, don't worry. There's room for one more. Join, come on, join in. All of us are in here together. All of us one day or another are going to fail. And Paul is saying, you're in need of God too. You can be as pious as you want, as religious as you want. I'm not after religion. God is after relationship. That's what God desires from each and every single one of us. He's so good, Paul says, don't, don't take it for granted, his forbearance and his patience with us. Just because you have religious activity, don't forget how good God is. He's good. He's awesome. That's why we have this saying that says, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. He is good. He's good to all of us because none of us deserve this. Whether we're a Gentile that's far from God or whether we're a religious, pious person who's played church all the time. So drop the pride 
and examine inside. Today, me and you, as we read the book of Romans, we got to look inside and say, God, where am I failing you? Where have I played an actor? Where have I been wearing a mask? There's this story about when they went to Egypt and they discovered King Tut's uh, coffin. They went down and they dig through the pyramids and way under the pyramids. And they finally got to what looked like an old pharaoh's tomb. And they couldn't believe it. It was full of gold. It was beautiful. And they started breaking it apart and going in. And then you, you probably have seen King, King Tut's mask. It's this big, beautiful golden mask. And they're like, my God, this is incredible. We found it. And they start taking off the mask. And then there's another covering. And it looks amazing. And they take it off. And there's another covering. And finally, the archaeologists say that they got to a point where they take off the last mask just to discover a dry, dead skeleton inside. Examine the inside and say, do I look good on the outside? But inside, I'm a dead skeleton. It's not what God is after. God is after relationship. And I think all of us at times have been dead on the inside. God says, I don't want that. The gospel is beautiful because it shows us that no one is so bad that can't be saved. But it also shows us no one is so good that doesn't need to be saved. Number three, we'll finish with this. Number one, stop ignoring, start searching. Number two, drop the pride, examine inside. And then number three, remove the guilt and receive the gift. Romans 1, he's going after the Gentiles who suppress the truth and who do whatever they want with their bodies, minds, and worship. Number two, he's going in chapter 2 after the religious, pious people who give God nothing but lip service or the ones who think they're self-righteous and think they're good. Number three, he's going to summarize it. And he's going to say, here's the truth. All of us are guilty. All of us are guilty. Paul is going to say every single one of us were guilty. As chapter 3 begins, Paul is saying every single human being throughout history is guilty. Number one was for the Gentiles away from God. Number two was for the religious or the self-righteous crowd. Number three is for every single one of us. In fact, I like the way this one commentator put it. He says, Paul begins chapter 3 like a prosecutor in courtroom, and he's about to bring 14 indictments against humanity. He's going to say, your mouths are evil, your throats are evil, your hands are evil, your feet are evil. Read verses 10 and on. Like Paul is coming playing no games. And by the way, if you think Paul is some pious guy himself, that's why he writes in another, in another letter, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul says, I'm just as evil as everybody else. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 10. He says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. His final verdict, all are guilty. All are guilty. How many are righteous? He says, none. How many are guilty? He says, all. (laughs) Basically, what he's saying is, I'm guilty. You're guilty. Billy Graham is guilty. The Pope is guilty. Mother Teresa is guilty. Every pastor is guilty. Every dream team leader is guilty. Every single one of us were guilty before a holy and awesome God. That's why we need the righteousness of God. We're guilty. Every single one of us. No one is better than another. And guilt comes in. And he says, listen, this is why we need the righteousness of God, because the law couldn't save us. The law was a mirror to show you how guilty you were. Today, remove the guilt and receive the gift. The gift is the righteousness of God. 
Today, we see how beautiful the righteousness of God is because we understand the unrighteousness of mankind. Today, as we're getting ready to wrap up, I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. We're reading Romans, and Romans is an absolutely beautiful book. And I want you this week to follow with this 30-day journal that I think is going to help so many of us. Paul begins by saying, we have the good news. The good news is here. Humanity is depraved. Humanity is evil. We think of things that we can't even imagine. We come up with evil ways. Paul says, you invent new ways of doing evil. You're worshipers of self. You're worshipers of the earth. You're into vanity. You're into idolatry. You're into immorality. You do wrong. All of us have done wrong. We talk to people that are not our spouse. We sleep around with people that we shouldn't. We go after things that we shouldn't. Our eyes run toward evil. We embrace bad. We ignore good. We play church and we wear a mask. And Paul is saying, all of us are evil. We're guilty. But thank God for the righteousness of God. The good news is that you're not so bad that God can't save you. There's good news for you today. You and I, we can't get to God. The good news is God came down to us. This is the power of the gospel. That's why he says, I'm not ashamed. Paul says, I was the chief of sinners. I was murdering Christians. I was running them out of their homes. I was murdering Christians. I gave the okay to stone Stephen. And still he decided to knock me off my high horse. And he decided to save me. This is the power of the gospel. That it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. He's in love with you. And he's stretching out his arms saying, come. You can't on your own. On your own, you're always going to follow your feelings, emotions, and urges. You're going to run after sin. Today, there's good news. It's the gospel. With eyes closed and head bowed, all of us today, wherever you're at, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're saying, Alex, I need God. Alex, I need an answer. I've been running after my feelings, my emotions, my urges. I've done wrong. Cheated on my wife. Cheated on my husband. I've stolen money. I've lied. I've thought wrong. I've said wrong. I've hurt. I've offended. We all have. All of us have. Every single one of us has sinned. The Bible says all of us are sinners. Paul says we're all guilty. But today you can receive the gift. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. That's the righteousness of God. Today, if you're saying, Alex, I'm far from God. I don't know if he wants anything to do with me. I feel far. I feel distant. God must not want anything to do with me. I'm here to tell you he wants everything to do with you. Whether you're like chapter one, a Gentile, or like chapter two, just putting up a religious front. We all fall into chapter three. We're all guilty. But he still says, I love you, and I want a relationship with you. It doesn't matter what you've done today. If you're carrying around that guilt, if you're full of shame and guilt, I want to tell you, drop it. Remove it. He comes to remove it. Receive the gift, which is eternal life with Jesus. With your eyes closed and head bowed, all of us are praying in here and a bunch of leaders and pastors praying in their homes as well. If you're saying, Alex, I need a relationship with God right now. I want to start brand new. I'm tired of the life I'm living. I've done wrong. I've done stuff nobody knows about. If today you're saying, Alex, I want a brand new life, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand right there where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're at your living room, your bedroom, your kitchen, your cubicle. It doesn't matter. Raise your hand. God sees you. 
If today you're saying, I need a brand new beginning, I need forgiveness for my sins, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Wherever you're at, raise your hand. Raise your hand. You're telling God, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. Awesome. I believe people are raising their hands right now. Awesome. I believe people are raising their hands wherever you're at. In fact, if you're raising your hands, come on, why don't you send us an email? Put it, in, put it right there in the chats. You can send us a text. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. From the bottom of your heart, repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I believe that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from God. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Tell him, Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, can we give a big, big hand clap to everybody that made a decision? Hey, if you raise your hand, if you said, I'm all in, I need a relationship with God. I fall into all those categories. We all do. And you're saying, I need a relationship with Jesus. If you made that decision today, whether it was your first time or or maybe you backslid and you said, I'm coming back into a relationship with God. Let us know. Why don't you send us a text? Send the word decided right now to 33222. You can also put it on the chats and we'll ask for an email. We would love to get in uh, touch with you. We love you. We would love to send you a free Bible. We've been sending out Bibles throughout this whole pandemic. Uh, so no strings attached. We just want to make sure our Bible's in your hand so that you can read it with us. We love you so much. Anybody enjoying Romans part one? Come on. Amazing. Make sure you download your journal. Go to calvaryconnect.shop. Download your journal. This is what we're going to do. Before you log off, why don't we all turn up the TV right now? We're going to worship. I think this is the moment to worship and thank God for his righteousness. Come on. We're, we're all unrighteous and we have the righteousness of God. I think it's a beautiful moment to say, God, thank you. Thank you. Come on. Why don't we lift up our hands in every single home, in every single living room, bedroom, workplace, wherever you're at, if you can, raise your hand. Let's worship God together. We love you. Next week, part two, we're going to be talking about the justification of Jesus. It's going to be awesome. There's good news for all of us. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. Come on, let's worship together. 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 Together.